Hello, hello, hello. No, you've been doing it the last two times. It's my turn. I, you literally did it last time. How did I do it last time? What was our last episode that we recorded? Arnold's died? You did it last time. Oh, okay. Go ahead. I don't think it's recording. It is recording. I mean, like, I don't think it's picking up sound. Because doesn't it, like, show the bar? <laughs> the testing thing? No, doesn't it show, like, like this, like, going up and no, down? No, it shows that after you do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever. Figure it out. Go check. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that funny. It's Shut up. Whoa. I'm trying, I'm trying to do the intro and you're over here mouthing off. All you women know how to do is talk. What? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, you know how to be quiet too sometimes. <laughs> you're such an asshole when you're high, dude. Hello, hello, hello. It's like when you hear your parents fighting. Hello, 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 and welcome to Puff Puff Pass. My name's Christian. And my name's Sahara. And we're here to talk about our favorite good and bad movies. Sahara, mm-hmm. what's our movie for today? Today, we will be covering... The Just two- kidding. Sahara, how are you doing? Oh, I'm alright. I, for- I forgot to ask. No, it's okay. How are you doing? I'm doing alright. Yeah. I know, you, I know you don't like scary movies, but like, what like movies that are... What have I seen? Well, more like... Or what what's, some, what's something you would watch to get yourself into the Halloween feel? Um, I like uh, like psychological thrillers. Like what? Or just thrillers in general. Like or, um, uh, the Cloverfield series. Oh yeah, that's good. Because uh, I've seen... The series is only two movies. There's three. Clo- um, Cloverfield. Okay. The uh, 21 Cloverfield Lane and the Cloverfield Paradox. 21. What? I think it's 10 Cloverfield Lane. Oh, 21 someone else. Yeah, it's 10 Cloverfield Lane. 21 minutes. <laughs> and then uh, uh, the Cloverfield Paradox. I liked that it was found footage for the first one, and I was a little disappointed that the second one wasn't, but I really did like that story of them being in the bunker. It was really good. Yeah, I really, I'm surprised I liked it. I'm going to go see that um, with my dad's second wife. I, I, I like Alien. Yeah, I knew you were going to say Alien. We literally watched, or were watching something on YouTube about Alien a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I don't know, I just don't like the, there's some, there's a guy out there and he's trying to kill you type of, like, horror, you know? Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh. Or, or, like, demonic shit. Like, I don't, oh, supernatural horror? No, specifically demonic shit. Demon, I can't watch Sinister because of that reason. I don't like that. Like, I can't watch... Like, it follows you. I'm like, mm-mm. Like, I don't... Uh, or it follows. I'm not... I liked it. I thought you said you liked it follows. No, I did. I was just joking. That but was you, pretty psychological. But, but you were like, oh, or like, it follows you. or I don't, And I was like, or it follows. And then just it. Yeah. Decreasingly verbose horror movies. Yeah, literally. No, but, um, uh, like, I can't watch The Nun. Or whatever. I don't like the nun either. I can't watch like, uh, um, not the Conjuring, but well, I mean, I, I think I've only seen once. But um, what was like that first movie? Oh, The Exorcist. Mm, yeah, no, I don't. Like, is that uh, why you left? What? 
there is this trailer to movies and oh, I didn't extra either. Says, I, I, yes you did you're like I'll be right back and I was yeah, like no I, I said I'll be right back because I drank literally half of our drink I was drink like don't leave me started. during a scary movie trailer I, I literally drank half of my drink before the uh, movie started so I was like I'm gonna piss real quick <laughs> but let me nip this in the bud I was excited I was like oh my god that's Aaron Burr sir and then he's in a scary movie and I said oh. you punched the burr sir yes sir oh my god but no, but, um... Yeah. Yeah. So what What other psychological... Well, I mean, there's... Alien isn't psychological, I don't think. No, like... I think it's more like a thriller, though. Yeah, right? or, that's why I said or just thrillers. Oh, so do you like The Thing? I fucking love The Thing. That's, like, yeah. my top, like, number one horror movie. The Thing movie is peak. So good. Okay, honest opinion. I feel like horror movies were better with shittier effects. Oh, with practical? Not saying that, like, the Thing's effects were bad or mm-hmm. Alien were bad, but, yeah. uh, you know, well, you know, I guess just older. Yeah. I feel like older horror movies, like, just are better. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just the, like, oh, well, no one remembers all the millions of terrible horror movies. Everyone only remembers The Thing or The Exorcist from, yeah. like, the 80s. But, like, there's just something about them, you yeah. know? It's like, scary. Like, like the... Because it's more real. Yeah. You know? It's more plausible. Because, like, I think even now we can kind of point out when something's, like, CGI... Yeah. And I think a lot of people... I remember the biggest complaint when I was, like, a preteen, especially when it comes to scary movies, was like, oh, there's too many jump scares. So now, like, the whole, like, scary thing is, like, body horror where, like, bones crack and shit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like... It's all because of you complaining. I know, but it's like, yeah, I mean, I guess that's horrifying. But I mean... I don't know. I'm more fascinated with, like, body horror only because, like... It fascinates me only because I view it as a um, a take on, like... You said, like, we didn't watch that one movie where, like, the girl gets, like, raped by a tree or whatever. Oh, my God. I'm dropping the R word. No, um, I know what you're talking about. Fucking, uh, that was in the original. That wasn't in that one. That wasn't in fucking Evil Dead. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you like you that? I didn't like it. I was just trying to figure out... If it was, cause my I've seen the well I've seen Evil Dead like Army of Darkness and I didn't I thought that movie was like a parody of something else, cause it's like a guy with a chainsaw who goes to like a fucking Renaissance or whatever. So I was like, like a Renaissance fair? No, like he goes back in time. Oh. And I was just like, what the fuck am I watching? Cause I was watching it with my dad, and so I was trying. So when I watched the remake that one time, it was last year. I put it on because I stayed home. I didn't stay home. I was it was fall break. I I literally stayed up all night doing like catching up on like my homework and I was just like do you remember that? I was just like (sighs) drinking Red Bull and typing. She was stressing bro. (laughs) And the worst part was she would do her homework like in bed like. I wasn't in bed. I was on the couch and you went to bed. You would switch. You would come to bed and then finish your homework. Because I didn't go to bed till after you left. Yeah. Is so, what I would do. And so okay well but the thing was is like when we were living there mm-hmm. was that we were we had moved out right no we were still living in our okay uh, good that's what I thought uh, our first place at our first place mm-hmm. uh, well well that's what I meant like yeah. or, like we had moved out of my parent uh, like my parents yeah, place yeah, yeah, right yeah. yeah we had lived there for together for a few months after we got married <laughs> don't judge us <laughs> um uh look it was rough in the housing market y'all <laughs> and so uh but yeah we moved out and so like. But she would, like, come to bed and do her homework, and I'm just, like, trying to sleep, and I, like, wake up in the middle of the night, and I just see, like, the bright light of her computer screen, and just click, clack, click, clack, click, clack, click, click, like, like a fucking typewriter on her, <laughs> on her MacBook. <laughs> I was, I, I literally, I, 
Well, there was one time, like, I opened my eyes, looked at your computer, like, and then I looked at you like this. I was like... <laughs> I then after looking at you, I literally did this. I was like... But I think I did on my computer after that, though. Or not on the computer, on the on the couch, is what I meant to say. I would do it on the couch. That's what I'm saying. Like, you would switch. But I would have the kitchen light on. So our old apartment was, uh, was like, a studio-type deal. It was, like, a, it was like a studio, yeah. but, like... So everything was just... It was also a, like, it was a renovated attic. Yeah. So, like, the house below us was split into a duplex, Mm -hmm. and the attic was renovated, and that's where we lived. Dog. It's it's nostalgic for me, though. It's nostalgic. It's so nostalgic. I don't know why. In in those fall and winter and spring months, it was perfect. Dude. But, dude, being in the summer in that apartment was, like, actual hell. Dude, it sucked. But I'm just... It sucked so bad. I do not know why it's so nostalgic for me. I do not know why, because we complained about that apartment the entire time. But I was so sad when we were packing up to leave. I remember that. I remember Sarah's being like, like ah. no, I remember being like super emotional. But I mean, great, I was probably pregnant. But like, <laughs> looking back, on it. <laughs> looking back on it, but I was just like, oh, I'm not ready to go. I mean, do I like our house now? Like, yeah, of course, it's like great. So her like, like ah. but I was like, especially like during the fall months, like, Ooh. like, because that's when we started picking up the podcast and stuff. So like the fall months. And going into winter, we started like, recording. Our first episode ever was in like August of last year, right? Yeah, like August, and I started posting in September. So. Yeah. But yeah, this is our second Spooktober. Spooktoberfest. But sorry to go go on such a tangent, but we have been, we will be covering the two thousand horror slash thriller Final Destination. Bom bom bom. Directed. Oh well, actually, Christian, do you remember? Do you remember this movie? Have you ever seen this movie? Uh, Before I showed it to you? No, but... So uh, it was the first time we watched it for the podcast, your first time watching it? Yeah. Oh. That's, gonna be, that's like been the case for like half the movies we've seen. That's sad. Ooh. You don't know any good movies. Okay, but you literally have never seen like Contagion before me. That is also true. <laughs> and that was our first episode. Well, I've seen it before because we watched it together. The first time I watched it, we watched it together. And that was during the pandemic we watch it like because okay by the way there was like a minute there because we it, it was spring break and we were like we want to do something fun you know because we knew covid was coming around and we're like oh and we found out our covid thing like our, our spring breaks got extended it's so like oh okay cool we can like hang out for a bit and so mm-hmm. me and Sahara, we just like we just went we got a hotel room for like uh, a, a weekend night or mm-hmm. whatever and we just stayed in we watched movies we watched outbreak mm-hmm. um starring um it has Kevin Spacey. He's not the main character, though. It's got more... Hoffman? Yeah, uh, Dustin Hoffman. Mm-hmm. He, uh, and it's got Dustin Hoffman, Morgan Freeman, and the guy who plays President Snow from Hunger Games. Those are like the... Oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, the, God. And then there's that one lady, but those are like the few, the main characters. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rest in peace, President Snow. Oh, my God. No, but... And then we also watched... Uh, I, I don't remember watching Outbreak... Or not Outbreak. Pandemic. Oh, uh, Epidemic. Um, we watched Contagion, Contagion later. Yeah, we didn't watch Contagion together until we were able to see each other again. Yeah, dude, we didn't see each other for like three months yeah. after that. We were fighting all the time. Mm. <laughs> because, Ow! because, and here's why. It's not that we couldn't, but like, my mom told me. Because Emma, whatever, like, my sister, that's my sister, I'm sorry. Sorry if I just like named I'm pretty you. sure I didn't know who our sisters are. We okay. name drop them all the time. Anyways, Emma, Emma's my sister. 
We, uh, my mom was like, oh, you can't go and see people because I told Emma that I don't want her going to her friend's house, her friend's houses, like, during the pandemic or whatever, and I was like, okay. And there, she was like, that means you can't go see Sahara. And I'm like, the fuck? <laughs> I think not. That was so hard. And so, and her family didn't want me coming over either. And so... Uh, we couldn't didn't see each other for like three months. Yeah, that was really difficult. But luckily, um, our love for movies kind of started there because we started we got we found out about Netflix Party. Mm-hmm. If you guys remember that, we watched Tiger King. Is that still around Netflix Party? I think so. And it, what was the Disney one? Disney Party. Disney Watch. I guess. Yeah, but you know it was like that, and so. We, like, we would watch a movie, like, every night. That was so smart of us, though, because then we really were, like, struggling. Relationship salvage. (laughs) Dude, Sahara, that entire time, and then some after, was just, like, fucking on one, bro. I was like, girl. Girl. You acted like you didn't care. Girl. You were acting like like you didn't care. I would call you, and you would be like, Oh, I'm busy. And I'm like, doing what, Christian? You can't go anywhere. Doing stuff. <laughs> like what? I don't know. Mind my, my, my business, man. <laughs> because I was still working. Christian wasn't doing anything. I was still working. So I would always, like, call whenever I could. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. I was there. Don't gotta convince me. <laughs> she's just staring at me. While she, well, like, while she says it, like she's trying to convince me. I'm like, yeah, I was there. <laughs> I watched it happen. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, Christian. I feel like I'm yelling. <laughs> but like my I'm 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 high to the point where like my ears are dull. <laughs> and so I'm just like, yeah. I miss being high so much. I got Girl, I, no you don't. This weed went bad. Uh, then stop doing it. It's funny. <laughs> it didn't go bad. It's Christian's a, it's Christian's been smoking on a vape, bro. For months. <laughs> Like I don't, He's I don't hanging on to the last drop. Literally, of I will smoke at most two or three times a week, <laughs> and one of those times is like for this podcast. You do not smoke two or three times a week. At most, I'm supposed to say at most. Like no, it's it's, not usually, at most. it's just like once a week. It is once a week. Usually, it's just once a week. Sometimes I have come over to work and just be like, <laughs> <laughs> and you're judging fucking me, bro. Fuck you, Emma. Not Emma. Emma. Mm, but Sahara. Sahara was an addict, bro. <laughs> She would every every day for like three months straight. She came home and smoked every day, and I'm like, oh my god! Like I've never told look, I've never told Sahara because I, I so personally I don't drink, but I've never like told Sahara like, hey Sahara, I think you're drinking too much because she never. But granted, she never really has or whatever. But like. She was smoking every day. God. Christian, the people who would listen to this podcast would probably also smoke and probably also smoke every day. But no, it wasn't like, it wasn't like you come home, we chill for a bit. It was you walk in the door, you set your bags, you you come up the stairs, you set your bag down, you grab the blunt, you go down the stairs. I don't see you for like 10 minutes. You come back up the stairs, you set the blunt down, and you're like, hi, Christian. And then your like breath smells like weed. And I'm like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I would always offer, like, oh, do you want to come smoke with me? And you'd be like, no. Because you were doing it every day. 
You're acting like you're better than me. You'd be like, this is how you look at me. You'd be like, because you'd be on the couch and I'd be like, hey, do you want to come smoke with me? Because the couch was spacing away from the door. And you'd be like, no. <laughs> you'd be like, that's exactly how you were. Because <laughs> I recognize you had a problem. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I miss those days, bro. My job was stressful. She literally got, she literally got her coworker to buy weed for her. <laughs> she was like, hey, oh my dude. God. I wasn't the only person he was doing that for. That's when I was like, okay, I need to get a card. You were the only one who was, uh, he was bringing it to their house, though. No, he's bringing it to her house, too. Oh, damn. You're not jealous? No, I didn't care. I just knew, I just knew the more he did it with the both of us, I knew he was going to get caught because he didn't have a card either. He, his friend owned a dispensary. His friend was probably buying it, though. That's why I was like... Because Okay, listen, because here's the thing, though. Like, If you're the owner, you already paid for it. Yeah. You just have a license to resell it. Yeah. So technically, he he did pay for it. He was yeah. just giving it to him. So it wasn't like... Well, that, that's my thing. I was just Looking like, back on it, it probably isn't illegal. But like, but I was like, this is a bad situation, and we cannot rely on this person very long. We only like asked him three times, but after that, I was just like, I need to get a card. <laughs> what would you do if the police showed up to their house? And you, do you, and do you know if so and so? No. You work with him. Do I? News to me. <laughs> anyway. This film was directed by James Wong, and he is best known for writing The X-Files. I've never seen a single episode of X-Files, but... We literally watched one at your house, like, last year. Like, it was on TV, and we just I don't... Like, I didn't know... I didn't know X-Files was X-Files until I heard the theme song, and I thought that was a meme. <laughs> that's Dude, why okay. I was like... Oh, that's where that's from. I just want to point out, back when Vine was still a thing, that mm-hmm. was one of the sounds that people would use. Mm-hmm. And I remember one day I was, like, trying to, like, find that sound that mm-hmm. sound or that song or whatever. And I was, like... Because I didn't know what it was from, mm-hmm. right? And so I was, like... I, like, listened to it or whatever. And, like, I tried, I tried to, like, Shazam it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, play it through one device and, like, Shazam it through another, you know? I tried to, like... Google like Vine like sci-fi sound you know <laughs> yeah I could never find it mm-hmm. months go by my mom like hears hears it play whatever she was like was that the X file scene and I was like the what she was like play it again plays it she, and she was like oh yeah it was and I was like you know that and she was like yeah I used to watch it all the time as a kid and I'm like like what the fuck you're old <laughs> I'm kidding I'm kidding no because that's when I found out because like. That lady from Sex Education, I want to say Jillian. Jillian? Like the mom? Yeah. Her? Yeah, that's... She's American. I thought you were British, man. What the fuck is a kilometer? <laughs> and she's, These colors don't run! And she's... Especially when she was on The Crown, bro. I was just like... Oh, God, because she's, um, she's princess... She's not princess. She's fucking Margaret Thatcher. We must oh, bomb I was the Argentinians. I was gonna say Princess Margaret. Dude, she but. fucking owned the British market right there, and I was just like, "Yes, bitch." That was that was the best season of The Crown. Twice. It was the best. What season, season. was that? Season like four. I, I want to say either three or four. Best season. Wild. He yeah. also directed Final Destination three and Dragon Ball Evolution with the white people. The live action. 
with yeah. a lot of people. Have yeah. you ever seen that movie? No. Oh my god. I remember... Okay, so I watched it. I put it on. And I was like, wow, this is kind of like the anime. It did not occur to me that these were supposed to be like Dragon Ball Z people. It Like, I heard the names. Like, I heard Piccolo. I heard it all. And I was just like, wow, this reminds me a lot. And they were funny, the Dragon Balls, right? And I was just like, wow, this is like kind of like the anime. It did not occur to me that that was supposed to be connected. I did not get that at all. Also, we should watch that. We should have done that for bad, for box office balls. Alright. Oh well. Anyway. Oh well. This movie stars Devin Sawa, which is the most Canadian name I've ever heard in my life. Sawa? Yeah. Why? Are you are you joking? Like that is so Kev- can- Kevin Sawa? His name is Devin Sawa. Devin Sawa? Also, look up his picture. He looks like your dad, bro. On Google. How do you spell it? S-A-W-A. I meant De- uh, Devin. Oh, sure. D-E-V-O-N. Like that first picture that pops up in the Final Destination cast. Look up Final Destination cast. That homie looks like your dad, bro. Okay, hold on. I went to his Wikipedia first. So just Devin Sawa. Mm-hmm. No, look up Final Destination. Oh, fi- oh. Final Destination. Cast. 2000. Yeah. Does he not look like your dad, bro? That photo? No. Oh, cast, sorry. <laughs> that one? Yeah. Not really. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Not really, no. That's your fucking dad, bro. I saw that and I said, Russell? <laughs> we're, na- we're, we're like one person away from name dropping my nuclear family. <laughs> We've already said Angie on the podcast before. Well, and now we set her here on this episode. <laughs> That's all, folks. That's all Christian's family members. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was a, uh, I was an old, old. I'm the oldest boy. <laughs> oh my god. So you're telling me that Sawa is not the fucking most Canadian thing you've ever heard in your life? I don't see why. Why Sawa? I don't know. That just sounds Canadian. That's on Sawa Street, eh? Is that racist? Depends. (laughs) I mean, maybe to like... No, because I watched... I can't be because I watched Degrassi. He he is Canadian. I know he's Canadian. That's why I said that. I know, baby. (laughs) Anyway, Devin is also plays Casper. It's Polish, apparently. That's hot. He's also in Idle Hands with Jessica Alba, where he plays a pothead, so shout out to that. And he's also in Wild America. We also have Ali Larder, who's also in Varsity Blue, Resident Evil, the Hero series, as well as I best know her as getting her ass beat by Beyonce and Obsessed. Whoa. I bet you didn't know that. Did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Beyonce kicks her ass, bro. In what movie? Obsessed. Oh my god. Do you not remember that? <gasps> I remember. I remember that so well. I can't remember if it was the babysitter or like the uh neighbor but she like plays like a lady that's like obsessed with her husband and he's like and then Beyonce is like are you cheating on me he's like no I don't want that fucking white lady are you and then they end up fighting are you obsessed with me your husband anyway wow. <laughs> why are you so so this film was inspired by the story of a woman leaving her flight because her mother had a bad feeling and that plane did end up going down isn't that crazy this is also a scrapped X Files episode. 
Final Destination. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it seems more like a scrapped Twilight Zone episode. Really? Uh-huh. Mm. Shameless plug, if you haven't seen our episode, go back. <laughs> it was back in March. Our Twilight Zone episode? Mm-hmm. That was back in, like... It was Mystery March. No, that was for sci-fi. So it was probably back in, like, January. January of this year. I'll check. You you keep talking. <laughs> Google, show me this guy's balls, please. You don't know. I know. Okay. Gotta be mean about it. Christian, does this movie make you scared to fly? Scared? Mm-hmm. It was January 15th. Yeah, sci-fi movies. Where were you on January 6th? <laughs> Getting green pie. <laughs> Let's check that. Google, show me these guys' balls, please. <laughs> Are you scared to fly? Am I scared to fly? Mm-hmm. No, I'm not scared to fly. For me, the scariest part is, like, takeoff. Because mm-hmm. most crashes occur during takeoff or landing. Mm-hmm. Landing is fine. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm already coming to the ground, just how fast, you mm-hmm. know? But, <laughs> but takeoff mm-hmm. is, like, I don't know. I'm not scared, but it's, like, it's kind of an anxiety yeah. It was a Friday, so... Like, of this year or of 2020? This year, Christian. It was... We were doing sci-fi movies. Yeah. Well, I know, but I'm saying, like... Oh, never mind. Forget it. So, some of these characters' last names are named after old Hollywood horror icons. Ah! But you didn't know that. I did not. Yeah. Who do we got? Um, it's actually on the Wikipedia page, they, they tell you. Several film characters are named after famous horror film directors, actors, and producers... Billy Hitchcock is named after Alfred Hitchcock. The Browning family and Todd Wagner are named after Todd Browning and Larry Mornu. Is reference to Frederick Wilhelm Mornu, Blake Dreyer to Carl Theodore Dreyer, Barry Luton to Val Luton, Agent Shrek to Max Shrek, Terry Chan- Chaney to Lone Chaney, Krista Marsh recalls Frederick March, Agent Wayne of Robert Wayne, and George Wagner is directly named after Universal Horror Film producer George Wagner. Wow. I thought you would think that was cool. It was cool. Hooray. All right. You ready to get into it? I am so ready. Oh, my God. Final destination. So, if you're, by the way, if you're listening along, feel free to watch the movie while we uh, talk at an irregular volume about what the movie is about. I hate doing that. I don't see how people could do it. Tiana says she listens to our podcast doing that. You literally said that was was why we do this. I mean, I feel like, I mean, I'd rather just like listen to people go over the movie than just like, and then listen to them talk about a scene than just like watch the movie because like, I feel like you can't like watch the movie because they're either talking for too long and the movie has already moved on or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so, we open with a thunderstorm, and we get a title card pretty quickly, you know, like, right off the bat. They're like, you know what fucking movie this is. <laughs> you know what you paid tickets for. As we see different ominous symbols of, like, death. Death! <sighs> like, skulls and stuff. And so, we see a passport for Alex Browning, played by Devin Sawa, as well as his ticket to France. And so we see Alex grab his tour guide, uh, but behind that, uh, or grab his tour, like, guide, like, pamphlet, you know? Mm-hmm. But behind that is, uh, like, a, is a book. It's The uh, Death of a Salesman. Mm-hmm. Who wrote that again? 
Uh, fucking Marilyn Monroe's husband. Fucking Arthur Miller. Huh. Alright. Cool. Learn something new every day. And we see that the page is like torn, uh, torn, uh, torn to the tour guide due to like the fan, but the. It, it just chooses to show us like like the page that it lands on is mm-hmm. just like a, an image of like the French Revolution of the tour guide I mean not of the death of a salesman mm-hmm. like the fan blows the pamphlet open and we see just like images of like the French Revolution and like the did guillotine did you think we were gonna get like a fan death because of how many ways like it kept showing the it fan. did show a lot of fans I'm I was kind like, of expecting it I was like what's with the fan I was like oh is this one for the fans <laughs> and so we then uh, cut to Alex's mom telling him the plan for the morning as she like helps him pack for his like school trip because they're obviously they're going to Paris. Mm-hmm. And so we see his mom trying to take the tag from the last time the suitcase was used, but Alex stops her and says, "Oh, you know, it's good luck to leave the tag on because it's you know like a symbol of the last plane not crashing, which is kind of smart to be honest." But like, and I think I do that. Yeah. Are you scared of planes crashing? I'm so frightened of the airport. I don't like that air. The airport to me is fucking purgatory, bro. Sahara. Like that is fucking purgatory. Last time we flew Sahara on um, takeoff and landing, which just like grip in my hand. I just don't like it. I'm just like mm. you're like. Mm. The anxiety is real. She literally has her own superstitions about planes too. Like what? How you like tap the plane mm-hmm. uh, in a rhythm every time you get on the plane. I know, and the flight attendant was, like, judging me hella hard. I'm like, bitch! It works. <laughs> I haven't crashed yet. I know, was that bad? Yeah. To have a bit. superstition? Yeah. Fuck you. Anyway, Alex's mom looks pretty skeptical of this, and Alex tells her it's just for good luck. But his mom tears off the label anyway, saying that it's a crazy idea, and justifies the theory that he's still here. So his dad gives us this short exposition that Alex is a 17-year-old for his senior class trip. He'll be spending his spring break in France. And his dad is just, like, being super ominous, and he's like, Hey, have fun as much as you can, because you have your whole life ahead of you. Wink, wink. (laughs) We then cut to Alex sleeping as we see the wind start turning the fan blade. And a little toy plane um, swishes around in the air as the uh, blades of the fan start to spin. We then see the wind start blowing softly throughout his room, and Alex gets stirred in his sleep when he hears a woman faintly calling his name. Upon opening his eyes, he sees nothing, and he rolls over to go back to sleep when the clock shows us the time, 1 a.m., but since it's having technical issues, instead it shows us 180. Because mm-hmm. that's the flight number. Flight number. We then cut to the airport, and it tells us that flight 180 is right on time. We then meet Carter, one of the students on his flight, as we are shown he is a jock, and he is a dick. And, and he's a t- <laughs> That's Scott. He's a dick. Okay, so one of the guys that's there, a Billy, he is played by, like, one guy from American Pie, and he's, uh... He's a bro. We love Billy. Yeah. He's, uh... Apparently, I've never seen American Pie but like apparently he plays like a huge like asshole in that one and everyone and everyone that I listen to that talks about this movie is like oh he does the like goofball like nerd guy so well and I'm like to me Billy's just saying but did you know that character was supposed to be fat kid did not know that yeah that's sad that's crazy get Jonah Hill in here oh my god we stop (laughs) he was around like around this time he was acting in 2000 how old still I don't fucking know. When did Superbad come out? Not 2000. 
I want to say 2009. 2009, 2010, 2011. Those are my three guesses of when Superbad came out. He was literally 17. What? Or oh, whatever. When did Superbad come out? Oh, um... Also, I've never seen Superbad all the way through. Sorry. Superbad came out in 2007. Fuck, I was two years off. So we see other students, including our Alex, as the French teacher tries to get the students into the airport building in an orderly fashion. Fun fact, they shot this whole movie in Canada, and at the airport, they're supposed to be in New York, so they're supposed to be at JFK, and the airport, the Canadian airport refused to take their Canadian flag down to shoot the scene, so that's why there's like a long scene of them kind of like walking like this like so you don't see the Canadian flag and I thought that was really funny Canada that is funny so anyway anyway we see a dad say goodbye to his kids giving him a little extra pocket money before his big trip across the world did your family ever do that for you? like just give me money? yeah sometimes my family always did that especially my grandpa congratulations well thank you the dad then asks Alex to take care of his boys because Alex is friends with these uh, two brothers. Yeah. And while they are on their trip, Al- uh, Alex, of course, promises that he will keep an eye on them. Inside the airport, we see the students get ready to go on their weighing gate for the flight. Their French teacher stops the students once they reach the gate, and the clock seems to be stopped at 108. The teacher wants the students to translate what the lady said over the PA system is saying, and nobody because it's saying things in French, and nobody knows except for Clear Rivers, played by Allie Larder, who has been reading this whole time, and without even looking up on her book, translate that the lady is saying no solicitors at the airport. And so for the first time I heard this scene, I mm-hmm. thought she, I thought her name was Claire. No, it's and clear. then Sarah was like, no, it's, cl- it's clear. It's clear. Claire. <laughs> As the students are still getting to the gate, Alex gets stopped by a religious fanatic handing him a pamphlet and tells him that death is not the end. The end is now? Question. To be fair, this is technically Alex's first warning that something is wrong, and everything else has been, like, audience-based, so we know something is wrong, but he doesn't. Like, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's the vibe that we're getting right now in this scene. It's not the vibes. <laughs> so his other teacher, who is a chaperone on this trip, saves him from the crazy man as they walk together to the gate. We see Alex checks his bags in and gets passport stamps when he knows that the board for flights, knowing that they're on time or not, is rapidly changing. His attention goes to the board as one of the flights reads 108. The lady puts the tag on his suitcase and tells them to look at the numbers the same as his birthday. Isn't that something? Alex is like, what? And the baggage lady explains that his birthday is September 25th, nine. 9.25 is his departure time, and asks, isn't that funny? I would have been like, lady, I do not care. <laughs> please, please, please put my, please baggage my stuff, please. Baggage my stuff? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I fucking hate the airport, bro. There's just something in the air that makes people want to, like, fucking fight. Like, I'm not even joking. But for some reason, um, the star Alex as he checks the departure board, but it seems to be broken. We see the students kind of just hanging around the gate and goofing off as they wait for the flight. We see Carter and his girl full on fucking making out in front of everyone. And this has the same vibe as those weird kids in school who would like date each other. Mm-hmm. That's the vibe they're given. We see that Claire has grabbed herself a coffee and is reading about the death of Princess Diana. Claire. Claire does notice that Alex is acting weird but thinks he's probably just nervous to fly as we watch Alex approach the window staring at the plane. 
So, would you want to visit the tunnel that Princess Diana died in if we ever go to Paris? No. No? That seems so disrespectful. It's just a tunnel. People drive through it to this day. Still. So, like, they should have closed it now. Literally. They should have demolished it. In memoriam. Literally. And so... Sorry. My mouth is dry. <laughs> Here, go on. One of Alex's friends tells him, let's go to the bathroom and poop so none of the hot girls from school can smell their poops and they have to do it on the flight. Why would you have to do it on the flight? <laughs> that's what I'm saying! <laughs> but that's very considerate of them, I won't lie. Literally. So we then cut to them trying to poop as John Denver starts playing as Alex says he died in a plane crash. And I said to myself... Why would you tell me that? I know! I said, What? First of all, I didn't know that John Denvers was dead. I don't know why I thought he was alive. John Denvers? Is that not his name? It's just John Denver. Oh. It's like a uh, fucking Barnes and Nobles all over again. Oh yeah, so here's this Barnes and Nobles <laughs> and it pisses me off. Anyway, I didn't know he was dead. I don't know why I thought that that was like... I knew he wasn't alive. I just didn't know that he died in a blank rush. Oh, that's so fucking horrific, bro. I'm sure it was only scary for like a few minutes there. Alex starts making some scary connections as the woman on the PA system announces that they are pre-boarding for flight 180 at gate 46. John Denver's song comes back on and the lyric is I've been I've seen fire in the sky and I'm like ooh this movie gives me such anxiety bro. Yes. So we see our chaperone teacher try to look for Billy and make sure all the students are accounted for as Alex is like super hyper aware of this situation as he watches tickets get checked at the gate. And we see Alex and his friends start to board the flight, and Alex, is notice Alex notices that it's, like, starting to rain and storm out, which um, planes can actually take off. Mm-hmm. I know you wrote the notes that you didn't know that. They can take off. It dep- During a lightning storm? Yeah. What? I mean, planes fly through lightning storms all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. I think once we're above the clouds, I feel like I'd be okay, but the whole, like, getting up there and somehow us not getting electrocuted is like, mm-mm, And so, Alex, or his friend tells Alex to keep going because, you know, he's like, hey, you're holding up the line. Mm-hmm. And then Alex is, like, about to step on the plane when he notices that it looks, like, pretty scratched up. Mm-hmm. And so, before going on flights, like I mentioned before, uh, Sahara always, like, taps the, the plane, mm-hmm. like, three times for luck. And I'm just like, okay. Fuck you. <laughs> three? Very common, if you ask me. Can't pick a, a rare number, like, 23. I feel like two is not enough and four is too much tap the plane 23 times it's a prime number <laughs> and so alex is like makes it onto the flight and he's already like being a baby and losing his mind and his friend tells him he, uh that that's a good sign though. no they see a baby like losing its mind and oh. his friend's like oh that's a good sign oh i'm sorry the younger the better because god wouldn't take a plane down and i just want to point out that this this whole like plane is like like, the, like. God. Well, we see a, a a man, disabled man. Yeah, uh, and, uh, it's it, it's very much just trying to tell you, like, oh, God wouldn't let this plane crash. I a lot of people were saying they're like, man, I wish they would have like gone further. Like the camera cut to like nuns or something, and then like a school no. of blind children, blind orphans or something. <laughs> I'm like, God 
If I get on a if I get on a plane with like a school of blind orphans, I have a I feel like I feel like that's just asking to be a headline. You know, and I'm just gonna get off the plane. I don't care how much it costs me. I'm pulling us off. Blind orphans. Do you know where I got that from? I've heard it before. It's from Igor. <laughs> it's the part where he hears the uh, screaming of the children. He's like, he's like, oh my god, she's killing blind orphans. I mean, that's evil, but blind orphans—that's <laughs> a step too far. <laughs> Behind orphan. <laughs> anyway, Alex looks for his seat and he finds 25 already on edge from anxiety. He turns on the air and fastens his seatbelt trying to calm himself down. We see Alex's friends flirt with the two girls that are his classmates as they ask if they could switch seats with him because she obviously wants to sit near her friend. His friend says no because he has to sit uh, here because he has a UTI and the girls are like, ew, let's just go see if Alex will switch with us then. Why would he say this? Yar. Like, he couldn't come up with, like, a better excuse. Like, his, his, his whole thing was like, oh, I have a UTI. Also, I thought, so these two girls, they look pretty, like, obviously early 2000s. But I thought that blonde girl was Christina Aguilera. I literally thought that's who oh that was. Oh, my God. You were telling me she does not look like Christina Aguilera. No. Dude. Anyway, Alex looks outside the window and he sees that the wing, maybe, I can't really tell, is getting ready for takeoff as the girls ask Alex if they can switch seats. Alex tells them yeah and they thank him as he goes to sit with his friend. His friend is mad that he couldn't sit with the hottest girls from school and is stuck watching Stuart Little for seven hours. Stuart Little. As Alex tries to open the tray in front of him only for it to get broken off. Well, that can't be good. Oh. Alex calls for a flight attendant as we see a late Billy make it to his seat. We see the flight attendants start trying to get everyone seated as they start to close the door of the plane. They start the whole announcement of where the exits are as Claire takes her seat right behind Alex. We hear the captain tell the flight attendants to prepare for departure and Alex is starting to have a panic attack as the plane starts to shake and rumble as they take off. As they start to take off, the French teacher uh, tells the students in French with their hands up in the air. Everyone's like, Woo! And I thought they were taking their class trip, like, early in the morning, but it's actually late at night. But, Dude. But if I was on this flight and I wasn't the student and they were like, whoa, I'd be like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Dude, I've flown on planes early in the morning and mm-hmm. I've flown on planes leaving at night. Mm-hmm. Night planes suck so much worse. Dude, that last flight coming in from Kansas, bro, I wanted to blow everyone's fucking heads off. Night planes are so much worse. Because they're at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You know? And literally, you would have spent all day, like, getting up to go to the airport, you mm-hmm. know? And so, like... Because I did it because I... Uh, uh, you know, shameless, shameless brag, but, like, on my plane back from Hawaii, uh, it was, like, a five-hour flight. And, like, uh, literally, it was, that was, like, the worst time of my life. Dude, I hate flying. Cause like, it's, it's not comfortable. I don't have a good time. I'm next to strangers, and I'm like... Because, it, listen, here's the thing. It was a direct flight from Honolulu to Salt Lake in Utah. Oh, my God. It was like five, six hours, okay? We left in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. The plane took off around 8 o'clock at night there. Mm-hmm. We arrived in Utah at like 7 in the morning there because of like the time mm-hmm. zone changes. Like almost 12 hours gone. That's crazy. It was a five-hour flight. A five, six-hour flight. We, like, turned evolved into, like, 12 hours. I was in, like... Literally, I got out and I... I we got home. Mm-hmm. 
you know, my grandma was able to sleep on the plane somehow. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I got home. I literally called you, mm-hmm. and then I was like, <laughs> I can't imagine. Everyone cheers and claps except for Alex, who is trying to calm down as he grips his seat as the plane starts to shake violently. The flight attendants assure that this is normal and the plane will plateau soon, and it does. It makes everyone catch their breath in relief when a huge rumble starts up again, shaking the passengers and flickering the lights. Everyone starts panicking at this point because the plane is jerking everyone and everything around. People are screaming as masks deploy in front of them and everyone puts them on. Alex looks outside the window as he sees the side of the plane just explode, and people in that row get sucked out of the hole that was created. The chaperone teacher tries to grab one of the students, but she gets sucked out as well. We see people get sucked as the entire plane explodes, killing everyone, including Alex. Um, what did you think of all that? Like, how, like, how did that... I mean, it was very sudden. In my mind, because I had never seen this movie, but I knew it was about, and I was like, oh shit, I thought the whole thing was they didn't die on the plane, Mm -hmm. you know? And then cut to the next part, and like, and it was all a dream. And it was all a dream. And it was all a dream. And that's why I was like, ow! 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 Yeah, one of the ladies that I was listening to when they were talking about this... She thought that this entire movie takes place on a plane. Mm -hmm. So she was very confused as to why everything was happening all at once. And she's like, whoa. (laughs) Whoa. Ow. So Alex starts having deja vu and not the Olivia Rodrigo kind as he jumps to his friend's seat to see if the tray will break just like in his dream. And when it does, the flight attendant comes over and asks if he's all right, including the French teacher. And Jacques Carter gets all mad that Alex is starting to freak out. I did not understand why Carter was like... Dude, sit the fuck down. Like, bro, mind your business. Carter's, like, fucking on one, bro. Dude, I know. Like, why is he, like, so involved on what? Because, like, they would... Because Carter does end up getting kicked off this flight only because he gets mad at Alex. And I'm just like, if you would have sat your little ass down and not said anything, you'd still be on the flight. Literally. (laughs) Alex starts telling everyone that they need to get off this plane because it's going to explode, and everyone tells him to stop joking because it's not funny. And Alex is like, this is not a joke. This is in real life. That motherfucker back there is not not real. (laughs) His friend tells him to sit down. I still can't get over the whole UTI thing. I'm like, that was your first thought? (laughs) His friend tells him to sit down and be chill, but Carter, for whatever reason, gets involved and starts trying to fight Alex. Which gets Let's his, go, bro. Let's go, I bro. I know. I know. And then, and then gets his girlfriend involved. And Billy, who was just trying to get to his seats, gets pushed off the flight as the security takes Alex Carter and his girlfriend off the flight. And the French teacher follows. And so the chaperone like goes with them and tells the rest of the class to stay where they are and sit tight. It's clear debates as if she like wants to follow or not. And so Alex's friend like sends his brother to go after Alex and uh, see how he's doing. And so. Uh, if my friend personally was screaming about, like, oh, the plane's gonna go down, I might have second thoughts. You might have second thoughts? I'd be like, if my friend was getting kicked off the flight saying that, like, that's going to explode, I'd be like, mm, I'm gonna go follow them. I mean, it's more like, I'm like, he's either crazy, which is not a good person you want to be on the plane mm-hmm. with, or he did it. I'd still get off the flight. I'm like, because mm, now I have a bad feeling. Literally. Would you believe me if I had a panic attack like this? I'd be like, sedator. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> the flight attendant comes over with the chloroform. Ow, 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 ow. So it's like, owie, owie. 
So I'll get off. Honestly, I just feel like I wouldn't freak out like that. I would just start crying and begging you to like. So I was like, no, I no, I'd be like, can you please get off the flight with me? Did you see that Reddit story about that guy? He was like, oh, am I the asshole for leaving my wife at the airport? Uh, yes. Here, let me finish. It was his daughter's uh, graduation mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, I think it was college graduation or wedding or something like that. Mm-hmm. His wife was not the daughter's mom. She was his step. She was her stepmom, you oh. know. And their plane is like starting the boarding process, and she's like, "I'm gonna go get a coffee from Starbucks, which is in the next terminal over, real quick." And the husband's like, "Dude, no, our flight's like right here, you know." And whatever, and he's like, "I'm not gonna like miss like we're not gonna miss this." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "It'll be fine." And she goes, and like he boards the plane mm-hmm. and waiting on her, and she's like, and he's texting her, he's like, "Hey, I'm on the plane. Where are you?" She's like. Uh, I'm so on my way back. Get off and wait for me, or whatever. Or, or, or no, she's like, oh, I'm I'm almost there to the to the coffee place. Just wait, just wait for me, whatever. He, she, he's like, I'm, he's like, I'm telling you, I'm not gonna miss this flight, you know. Yeah. Or whatever. And he just like he turns his phone off and he takes the flight or whatever, and he goes, and he. Did she think that the plane was gonna wait for her? I think it was more like like oh she just expected him to give up time with his daughter. You know? Yeah. Cause and he's like, and when I landed, I, I turned my phone back on, mm-hmm. and it was just blowing up like text messages and missed calls mm-hmm. from her. So like, how could you leave me? Like, I'm so embarrassed. Like, why would you do this to me? Uh, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, uh, like I'm, I'm your wife. You're supposed to like stay with me or whatever. That was her definitely like testing him to be like, oh, who do you love more? <laughs> if you did that to me over like our kid. Oh no 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 no! Bye Sahara. I would fu- yeah, I'd fucking leave you too, bitch. Fuck you. Bye Sahara. <laughs> me, me waving out the window to you in the terminal. Said- <laughs> Sahara. <laughs> I am so glad that guys, we were in the Southwest mess that happened last year. Yeah, if you remember all those flights being canceled, oh, the, my like God. the days after Christmas of twenty twenty two. I'm so glad we did not have Parker then. I oh my God. I feel, I feel like I could have helped. Like I I, or I could have like done some stuff with her. We probably would have done a whole fun bunch of shit. I, I probably but would, we would have gotten in a fight with somebody. I probably would have let you go do your thing and I'm like, hey, I'm just gonna walk Parker around the airport. Like, we're Yeah, you gotta cut a tire out, bro. I'm like, dude, Parker. Make you, her run. Parker, you and me, we're just gonna explore, alright? <laughs> Bye, Sahara. And then having to carry like her car seat with us. Oh my god. Kill myself. Oh my god. I just like, I'm just grateful every day that we waited. So Clara then decides that she is going to join them off the flight after all. Security takes the group that got off the flight back to the gate as the guard tells Chaperone Lady that they are off this flight. Chaperone tells him, uh, tries to plead with the officer by saying that she has 40 students aboard that flight and that they need to have someone on that flight because both the chaperone and the French teacher got kicked off. Carter tries to fight Alex again for some reason as the French teacher gets them separated. The chaperone tells French teacher that he should be the one to go on the flight with the kids. And that the rest of them will take a later flight and that it gets him in three hours later from them anyway. Uh-huh. He tells her that he will stay and she tells him no because he, um, he knows French better than she does and she doesn't want to take that away from him. And I think that's a really sweet sentiment if this was a totally different movie. <laughs> we then see Billy tries to get back on the flight but is stopped and Billy argues that he didn't fight with anyone but is still shut out from getting on. Yes. We see that one of Alex's friends slash brother, Todd, gives Alex some water as he informs him that his parents are on their way to pick him up. 
We then see Billy, Carter, and his girlfriend all watch the plane start to take off as uh, she says stupid Alex. Like, she did not have to get involved. She could have stayed her ass. She got off because her boyfriend got off. So, I just want to point out... Mm -hmm. Carter. Mm -hmm. I remember we talked about the name Carter, like, a little bit. Mm -hmm. But, like, we we decided against it because there are too many babies now named Carter. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I was talking to my coworkers about Mm -hmm. my kid the Mm -hmm. other day. And you know what? Like a couple of them said, like, "Oh, I'd love to name my kid Carter." And they're like, "Oh my god, me too!" And I'm like, hm, "You're playing." <laughs> no, because Carter goes with like every last name ever. Like our kid doesn't have a regular vanilla ass name. That's why her name's Parker Ruby. Parker. It's P.I. Dude, Brahms ice cream sounds amazing right now. We have some. Yeah, I mean, we have regular Bluebell ice cream. Pretty sure we still have that brand. Comment on Twitter below, like, what brand of ice cream... Like, what's your regional brand of ice cream? <laughs> like, we have, like, ROMs for, like, fast food, but, like, our regional is, like, Bluebell ice cream, so... Mm-hmm. Okay. We always got Blue Bunny ice cream. They used to serve birthday cake, and that shit was bomb, but I haven't seen it in a long... in a hot minute. Blue Bunny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It comes in those clear containers of ice cream. Yeah, yeah, I I know Blue Bunny. I'm mm-hmm. just like I've only ever gotten Blue Bell. My family used to buy Briars. I don't even know what that is. You, you've seen Briars ice cream. I've seen Highland. Yeah, Highland. Briars. Dude, ice cream is good. Why is ice cream good? Because we love humans love milk. Oh. Oh. I associate that with old people. <laughs> Hence, my family used to buy briars. <laughs> so, chaperone teacher asks Alex what happened back there, and Alex tries to explain the vision he had seen, and that he saw it all happen from the ground to the window, and further explains... To the window! <laughs> to the wow! He further explains that the plane explodes and that it all felt so real. Carter, hearing this, gets upset, upset again as chaperone teacher concludes that Alex must have been having a nightmare. Carter tells him that they got kicked off a plane and to bull half a day in Paris because of Alex's dream. Like, homie, you did not have to get yourself involved. Mm-hmm. Carter starts making fun of, uh... Oh, yeah, Carter starts making fun of, uh... Alex again, and the two start fighting... And the security guards get involved as the chaperone tries to tell them to stop and separate them. Billy, ignoring the commotion behind them, watches the plane take off into the air. With sadness, he says, there they go, and here we stay. And here we stay. Womp, womp, womp. The boys finally get separated, and Carter tells Alex that he's praying, paying for his trip, as Alex tells him that he wished he was on that plane, as Billy starts to freak out because the plane exploded. It's like, oh my god, and then, like, the explosion, like, causes, like, all the windows to shatter, yeah. which I didn't think. Mm. I, I feel like it was far enough away the windows wouldn't shatter. Mm-hmm. But, like, it causes all that to happen, and, like, everyone, like, takes cover, mm-hmm. and everyone, and, like, the scary, like, springs into action, everyone's like, what happened? And Alex, like, looks in horror, because, like, his prediction was true, mm-hmm. and everyone is, like, starting to feel, like, survivor's guilt, mm-hmm. or whatever. They're like, oh my god, bro, that's crazy. Well, that's wild. I'd have been like, oh, thank god. <laughs> would have been like, oh my god. <laughs> and so, uh, at Al... Uh, we then cut to Alex, like, in a room with everyone else, and they're all at the airport. They're all just kind of kind of silently staring at him and tells them uh, 
and, and he tells him he's like uh, you're all looking at me like I caused this and he's like I didn't and the chaperone like asked Alex if there were any survivors and he's like how would I know <laughs> and so Alex like or everyone looks to Alex to see if he'll like he'll, if he'll be right about like this prediction you know and uh, he, you know like I said he asked like how should he know but it, because everyone thinks he's some sort of psychic or something but before he can finish uh, that sentence you know Clear finishes it for him and, so, yeah, and it's like he's not a witch and so I'm like no one said that you know <laughs> literally literally and so the door to, uh, the door to the room opens and the director of like uh, safety and transportation like tells me it's like oh yeah hey, we contacted all your families they'll be here shortly uh, if anyone needs medical attention or spiritual counseling like let us know and chaperone's like what's going on are there any survivors and the transportation guy is like we're still investigating the cause of this ex- explosion you know mm-hmm. so it's too early to tell mm-hmm. and IRL I feel like they all would have immediately shown jumped like oh it's Alex he did it yeah literally literally would have kept him in like holding for like a week bro and so the transportation guy tells the chaperone that we have a search and rescue rescue mission like going on right now as we speak and so two agents and speak up and they're like hey we're with the FBI and we understand your feelings right now but we need you guys to answer a few questions in regards to in today's events or whatever and uh, everything you guys will say will help and uh, everyone just like immediately kind of just like looks at Alex or whatever and I'm just like I love how they just assume that a 17 year old was able to like sneak onto a plane Mm -hmm. granted this was before 9-11 yeah so (laughs) who's to say so we then cut to Alex getting questioned as they ask how he would know that the plane was going to explode during takeoff. He tells them that he got this feeling and this really bad feeling. And the FBI then asks if they took if he took any uh, sedatives or any drugs before boarding. Alex tells them no and that he saw it all happen. One of the agents asks him if that feeling coincided with his feeling of wishing one of his classmates was on board just before the explosion. Alex says no and they ask why he said it and Alex confesses that he didn't know that the plane would actually explode. One of the agents asked if that was the case, then why did he get off the plane? He didn't. He got kicked off the plane. I know. <laughs> so I'm like, I would have been like, uh, I, I didn't. I didn't. The security guard kicked me off. So what you fuck mean? you. Yeah, so fuck literally. you. So back to Alex's brother's friend, Todd, gets questioned. He explains that his brother told him to go keep an eye on Alex. And for that reason, his brother stayed and that it starts to hit him that his brother is dead and that his brother told him to get off the plane. We then cut to chaperone teacher getting questioned as she explains that she convinced French teacher to get back on the plane with the kids. She starts to cry when she realizes she was the one that sent him back on that plane. We then cut to Claire getting questioned as she is asked why she got off the plane and she explains that she saw and heard Alex and that she believed him. We then cut back to the group back in the room when the door opens revealing the parents of the students. Alex's mom runs and hugs him as the father joins in and is just happy to see that their child is alive. We see everyone reunite with their families except for Clear. Poor Clear. We see Alex and his friend Todd's dad make eye contact as he hugs the only boy that they call left. We then cut to Clear getting dropped off by the FBI agents alone in the rain. FBI. We then cut to Alex and his family just now getting home from the airport. We see Alex start to break down in his room. We then cut to the news as they are covering the crash site. I see both Alex's parents have fallen asleep as Alex watches tensely as the news anchor informs us that there were no survivors. That's crazy. And so, like, Alex starts to cry when they report that his class was on the flight and some students are able to get off the plane before departure. Uh, but 
he finds out like that like investigators are still like remaining guarded over the incident, and so the thunderstorm outside frightens Alex at first. And when he gets up to go to the window, he sees like lightning strike and like in the middle of the street right mm-hmm. outside his house. And we then cut to a funeral service being held by the school as they tell us that like oh you know thirty nine days have passed like since the accident you know mm-hmm. like it's been 39 days and so Alex sort of feels like everyone's watching him including his friend's dad mm-hmm. and the FBI who are also there for some reason mm-hmm. like I didn't think they had time for this and so the school then reveals a statue in honor of the victims of the crash and I just want to point out I was like half expecting for the statue to be like of a plane <laughs> why I feel like that's too on the nose bro I don't know and so, uh, we see people get up and put roses on the statue to honor the kid, the people who died. Mm-hmm. Alice looks behind him and sees that Claire has also come and is by herself. We see Claire. Billy get up with his mom with a rose, which makes Alex get up, as well as Claire, as Carter and his girlfriend are already in line to put theirs down at the statue. We watch as all the survivors get in line to put their flowers on the statue, and Carter takes his chance to tell Alex that just because he technically saved his life, doesn't that that doesn't mean that he owes Alex something. Alex tells him that he doesn't think that at all, and Carter tells him good, because he plans on living life to the fullest. Alex tells him that he should have calmed down and get off the GD, which I'm assuming is like steroids. And Carter grabs Alex and tells him that he controls his life and no one else. Mm-hmm. And as you can see here, that Carter is not taking the survivor's guilt well. Um, but do you think what Carter is feeling is part of the grieving process, or do you think he's trying to rationalize his survival? I think he's just trying to rationalize it. Yeah. I just thought, I just think it's really, like, interesting that he's like, oh, I'm never gonna die, like, in a, like, memorial for people with dead kids. I'm gonna live forever! I'm gonna live forever! <laughs> I've been like, what? Ever! Ever! <laughs> And um, I just think it's really interesting that this character takes on the play on that teenagers think they're invincible. It's true that we think we have our whole lives ahead of us because the world is there to explore, but to think when a life gets cut short, you start to think about how short and precious, like, life truly is. Like, there are people we went to school with who didn't make it to the age we are now, and I just think it's really an interesting concept that the movie It is. It is. Like, it truly makes you think, bro. Yeah. Like, I remember we had that one person we went to high school with, and they, uh died of like a heart defect or whatever that they've had forever they just died one day like uh, when we were like sophomores in college yeah it was wild i know and i think about this other kid i don't know how he died but i know that like my friends told me that he did die and i was just like whoa was it the guy everyone went to the memorial like in the park for Mm-mm. oh i was gonna say i'm like i'm pretty sure he got shot but oh it might have been i heard he got shot yeah, and they did that whole huge, whole, like balloon release, like in the park or whatever. Mm, I don't remember that, but hits an air airline, causing the events of a final destination. Christ, dude, that's not funny. Sorry, saw an opportunity and I took it. Oh my god, Carter's girlfriend sort of apologizes for Carter's behavior, but she kind of just stands there awkwardly because she doesn't know what to say. So she instead just walks away, and I feel so bad for girls in relationships like this, bro. Like especially in high school, like you do not need to apologize for somebody else's behavior, and I think it really sucks that she feels the need to. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, do you have a hot boyfriend that people can envy you over? Sure, but is that worth your worth? You know, I don't know. I feel bad for Terry sometimes. Poor Terry. I know. So Billy then comes up to Alex and tells him that he just got his driver's license, barely. And he tells Alex... He's like, he's like, I got a 70. That's, like, the minimum you need to pass. Same, bro. Isn't that, like, what he says, though? Yeah. Yeah. Alex, uh... 
He tells Alex the instructor told him that he, he was going to die at a young age, and Billy asks if that's true, and Alex tells well, so him... Well, he spelled barely wrong. Does it matter? Barley. Does it matter? Barley. <laughs> Alex tells him that he's, like, we're not doing this right now. You know, not now, not ever. Not, he, not now, not here, not ever. And so Billy walks away, but comes back and asks, like, oh, uh, he's like, oh, hey, uh, will this girl say no if I ask her out or whatever? And Alex is like, dude, read the room. Because he's, like, expecting Alex is, like, a psychic. Yeah. And so we then cut to the chaperone, who's, like, tearfully putting her flowers on the statue. And we learn that, like, her name is Miss Lewis. It's not Lewis. It's Luton. I thought her Luton? name. I thought her name was Miss Lewis, because that's what it sounded like to me. Oh, it is. But it is Miss Luton. Yeah, it's Luton. You silly goose. It was Miss Luton. Why'd you write Miss Lewis? Mm-hmm. And so and it, they realize it's Miss Luton. And so Alex tries to talk to her, and she's like, go away, you, you know, because he scares her, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as an adult educator, yeah, you lost some of your colleagues and students here, but at the same time, like... Get it together, Lewis. Is she an educator, or is she the chaperone? No, she was she was a teacher. Okay. Yeah. We found out later she was a teacher. Okay. Like, she's clearly not doing very well, yeah. but, like, still, like... She is not holding it together at Literally. all. And then to blame Alex. Literally. And so as Alex like stays at the statue for a little bit with his rose, his friend's brother. What was his name? Todd. Todd. Uh, Todd, uh, uh, who he's also friends with, mm-hmm. or whatever, uh, comes up to him. And he goes up to Alex. He's like, oh, hey, uh, no homo, but like I really miss you, bro. <laughs> and uh, the brother's like, hey... And he's like, yeah, I really miss you too, dog. He's like, hey, look, my dad's mad at you for some reason, but, like, when he gets over it, uh, you know, we can uh, hang out and, like, go catch the Yanks. You know, because li- if you can't tell, they live in New York. Yeah. That useless-ass detail. <laughs> and so Alex smiles and laughs. He's like, okay. Uh, and then they go their separate ways. And Claire comes up with her rose and, like, thanks Alex for saving her life mm-hmm. as a random cameraman, like, takes their picture. Yeah. It's never, like, addressed again, either. Well, I mean, because it's in the newspaper. It's no, because it would the way that they take the picture would have oh, been, yeah. like, them together. Well, but yeah. The but picture in the newspaper is just clear. Yeah. I always thought that was weird. Yeah. Uh, we then see... Okay, so, like, Todd is, is there. Like, he's reading a poem in front of the school, which basically tells us that we never know when death will come and that it could be later today or the hour is already planned. That night, we see Todd make his way to the bathroom as he looks in the mirror, and the wind from the window starts to blow, and Todd notices this, and he closes the window as we watch the wind slowly close the door. So we see Todd take a poopy. I must say, I've never seen characters like poop in this movie so much, and I feel like there should be more of that. We we need poops. (laughs) We need poops. So as Todd uses the bathroom, we see the pipe from the toilet starts to leak. And we then cut to Alex's room as his fan is still going, as we see Alex has drove himself into, like, deep research about plane crashes and shit. Like, he's got maps, he's got, like, books on explosion, like, he's doing it all. He even has a layout of the flight, and has circled his row of seats he was sitting at. Alex notices that the wind from the fan is picking up pages from a newspaper that catches Alex's eye. It's a picture of Claire, which makes Alex want to do things. And I thought to myself, guys are so fucking nasty, bro. That's disgusting. Is this real? I've never. You're gross. He's lying. He's lying, y'all. Back with Todd, as he has decided that the two hairs on his chinny chin chin should be shaven off, as it gets a razor. Dude, this whole thing is just like, <laughs> it's like edging you, dog. 
I don't know. I know that's not the word for it, but mm. it's just like he's like, oh, let me let me let me shave myself. Let me dry shave myself. Literally, <laughs> like he, he has no hair. No hair, no water, no fucking uh, what do you call it? Uh, shaving cream. Shaving cream. He just raw dogs it. Oh whatever. And it, it gets so surprised when he cuts himself. It's how he dies, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, are you fucking serious? Yeah. You know. Because there's, like, water on the... So, his, his neck is bleeding, but there's water on the floor, like, slowly spreading towards him. And it's, like, the bluest, like, water I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it, it looks like fake water. <laughs> like, it looks like... I feel like they had to make it blue, or yeah. else you couldn't see it where they were. That's fair, but still. And then, I guess uh, Todd wants to, like, nose trim his hair. So, he gets, like, scissors and starts nose trimming his hairs. And you're like, oh, my God, dude. Yeah. And then he starts to plug in the radio as the water gets creeping, and you're like, oh god, is he gonna electrocute himself? Yeah, I said that when we were watching. Like, is he, did, are we, is he gonna electrocute himself? But I think the John Denver song comes on and it freaks him out. Take me home! So he unplugs it. Country road. It's not that song, but still. But. I said that the water moves the same way that one Spongebob episode where him and Patrick have to paint Mr. Oh Kyle, yeah, with like, the paint. And he's going... Like it moves like, like it's a sol- like it moves like it's a solid object. It's just spreading. Yeah. It doesn't move like a fluid. Yeah. Yeah. So back with Alice as he continues to be gross but stops himself when he looks at a picture of Clear. And I really love that we can still hear the, hear the fan because it sounds like a propeller on a plane. I just thought that was a fun little yeah. tidbit that I liked. Alex then gets spooked by an owl who lands at his windowsill, so he throws the magazine. And if it's not already iterated, he's being gross. I'm saying he's looking at porn. He's mm-hmm. looking at a magazine. It's gross. It's gross. But anyway, he sees an owl who's trying to, like, cock block him, so he throws the, the porno mag at it. And he gets shredded up. By, by the, the fan. Yeah, by the fan. Yeah, and, so again, with the fans. And then one of the pieces of the... Uh, magazine which was supposed to spell today but it gets cut off and it just says Todd and then he's like Alex is like whoa 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 we then cut back to Todd who's about to take a shower and but there's like a line of like uh fucking laundry and apparently that's a thing that uh like I thought that was just something his parents decided but I guess in most bathrooms especially like um, an 80s built bathroom there's like a line you can like hook over across to dry your laundry and I was like oh that's really nifty yeah like co- a clothesline yeah I didn't know it would be in a bathroom or like pre-made in a bathroom you know what I mean they probably installed it but yeah no, I, think that's, I thought that was nifty I thought that was not so everyone nifty. has a place to hang them outside mm-hmm. so they're like we'll just do it inside. we should they should have fucking done that with us we ain't got no fucking space no, you make the you pull it and then you hook it to something. I know how I know how it works. I'm saying when it hangs, we'll have to like it'll be like you know how in like a- adventure movies we're like hacking through the jungle with a machete. Mm-hmm. It'll be like that with my clothes to go shit three a.m. <laughs> I'm saying in the bathtub, Christian, because that's where it is. Either way. Why would you? Okay, that makes no sense. You make no sense. Anyway. Todd is able to remove the laundry, but he slips on the water that was falling on him, Whoops. and the line like starts like wraps around, around his, his neck. neck. Yeah, and he falls into the bathtub, and because he's like struggling, the like soap dispensers, like like the shampoo conditioner, all like and it like makes the bathtub bottom like slippery, yeah, so he can't get a footing yes. to stand up. And I'm just like, I feel like I could have. I could have survived that though. Literally, like I'm gonna do is scooch up your butt, bro. First, you need to stop panicking. That's 
that's the main thing you gotta do. Okay, we'll, we'll go in the bathroom and I'll start choking you and we'll see. <laughs> we'll recreate this. <laughs> I think Todd did commit suicide. That's that's my. I think he gave up because he was reaching for the scissors that were on the counter. He, he couldn't reach them. He realized it was futile. He's like, I know, but he gave up. He couldn't reach them even if he wanted to. All he had to do was scoot his little butt up. What he needed further. to do, what I was thinking to myself, he needs to grab the wire and uh-huh. pull himself up. That's why you know when they like hang uh-huh. people and they like tie their hands behind their back, mm-hmm. it's because if their hands were free, they could do that. Yeah, I thought it was really weird that he was just. Yeah, he was, like, clawing at it around his Mm -hmm. neck, and I'm like, dog, pull the wire. I mean, to be fair, it was getting tighter, but, like, still, I think I would have done, I would have done this, is what I would have done with the bathtub. That's another thing. Yeah, why don't you just use his hands to lift himself up? I don't fucking know, bro, because he was panicking. I guess. It was pissing me off. It was pissing me off. Anyway, Todd dies. (laughs) But the one thing I do hate about this scene is that the water like recedes back to where it was leaking and I'm like no leave it there mm-hmm. cause like oh it's a suicide it's a suicide blah, but it like what's the like leave the water there like I really hate that it does that and I think that's the only time like death kind of like covers its tracks it's like oh <laughs> so we then cut to Alex who's walking towards Todd's house as he sees a bunch of cops and like fire trucks and paramedics and even those agents from the FBI. Frantically, Alex asks what happened and where's Todd and Claire's like also there for some reason. And she's like hiding behind a tree. She's like, Psst, you got you gotta go, bro. You gotta go. And I'm just like, one, why would they think that Alex would have anything to do? Because he just showed up. He just now granted, is it weird that he's there? Yeah. But at the same time, like you know what I mean? Am I being no, I get you. Am I being crazy? No. So Todd's dad comes up to Alex and explains that Todd has taken his own life because of the guilt of leaving his brother behind on the flight. Alex argues that Todd wouldn't do something like that because they had made plans together and asks why would he kill himself if they made plans. Todd's dad just walks away from Alex as Alex continues to call out to him as they roll Todd's body away. Standing in the middle of the street, Alex looks for Claire, who is no longer standing there as she once was as the FBI agents just stare down at the next morning we see Alex walk up to a house as a huge green leaf falls right in front of him we then see Alex walk up to a driveway as someone who is welding something in their garage as their cute little dog doge meat greets them we learn that the person welding was clear a woman of many talents as she tells Alex that fall is coming Alex is like it's June <laughs> real. and clear explains that everything is in transitional period and that soon as the first leaf falls fall, then autumn is coming and I'm like, that's so me when I'm tired of the summer. Literally. Have you noticed that it's the summer, they're but they're wearing, the but they're wearing coats though? Did you notice that? Yeah, but they're in New York, so it's cool. <laughs> Must be fucking nice, bro. Literally. Alex asks why she was at Todd's house, and she explains that she watched enough TV to know that the FBI does not investigate teen suicides, and the fact that they were there at Todd's house proves that they still have no idea what caused the crash, and that they haven't ruled anyone out, such as the only seven people to make it out alive in the crash. And better yet, one of those seven people had a vision about the crash. And so, Claire also puts it in that, like, like, oh, you know, it doesn't help that the visionary's friend just so happens to die of his own hand, you know. And so, Alex asks Claire again, like, why were you there last night? And she's, like, shows him her art mm-hmm. or whatever, and she's like, oh, and, like, is that how, like, uh... She's like, this is how you make me feel. Yeah, or whatever. 
and like Alex like apologizes yeah, he's or whatever. Like, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, and Claire explains that like this sculpture, uh, he's like it refuses to take a form, yet it creates an absolute but incom- incomprehensible attraction. I'm like that's a lot of words to just say like you're hot. <laughs> yeah, or that this or that the sculpture is lame. And so she tells him that, like, oh, in our four years of high school, you know, you haven't spoken a single word uh, to me or whatever. And uh, on that plane, like, uh, I f- she felt how he felt, you know? Mm-hmm. She explains, it's like, I didn't understand what I was feeling, but uh, and, uh, but then you started freaking out. And even though, like, I didn't see what you saw, like, I still felt that something was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so she asked if, she, if he can, like, still feel it now. And... Uh, and, and that's something from that day is like, like she's like, oh, I'm like, do you still feel that? Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, are you still, do you still think about that day all the time? Mm-hmm. And Alex tells her, he's like, you know, I never dealt with death before. Oh, I sorry, I skipped a line. And so she says that she knows all this because like she can still feel what Alex is feeling, and that's why she was she was at Todd's last night. Mm-hmm. She had a feeling that something bad was going to happen to Todd. Mm-hmm. And so Alex tells her that he's just like never dealt with death before, and it just feels like it's all around them now all the time. And so Claire asks him to clarify about death being an it, and Alex tells her his theory that, you know, what if Todd was just the first, like, at the top of death's list? And Claire asks if, like, that is something that Alex is feeling, and he's like, I don't know, but, like, I wish I could see Alex one more time. Maybe he would know for sure. Not Alex, Todd. Or Todd, whatever, his friend. Alex's brother. Alex wants to see Alex one last time. (laughs) And so Claire smiles and tells Alex, uh... Uh, well, you know, let's just go see him. And Alex is just, like, looking really confused. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we then cut to Alex and Claire breaking into the, the morgue or funeral home or whatever. And Claire tells him that, like, oh, uh, this gives me such a rush. And Alex is like, funerals? She's like, no, doing stuff we're not supposed to. And I'm like, oh? Oh. Oh. <laughs> Claire then guides him to the morgue as they break their way inside. And once inside, they see their dead friend on the slab. Alex points out that whatever made Todd Todd is now gone. Todd's hand then goes up, unexpectedly scaring the life out of Alex and Claire, and most definitely me. I say it was a coroner, but I guess it's like a, what do you call it, a mortician? Mortician. Yeah. yeah it's like a funeral home. So the mortician that comes out of the shadow is telling them to hush because they'll wake the dead. And if you think the mortician looks familiar, it's because he's played by Tony Todd, higher horror icon, also known as Candyman. Candyman. Alex asks why did his dead friend's hand move like that, and the mortician explains that it was chemicals in the vascular flesh that creates a cardavic spasm. Alex starts to explain who they are and why they're here, but mortician is like, I know who you are, and I know why you're here. Claire then asks what are all those lines on their friend's face, or neck, or whatever, and mortician explains that they are lacerations from the pulling of the wire. For Alex, this confirms that if Todd was pulling, then he wasn't trying to off himself, and that all this was really an accident. The mortician tells him that in death, there are no accidents, coincidences, no mishaps, and no mistakes. The mortician tells the kids that we all have to realize that in life, we are all the mouse that a cat has by the tail, that every single move that we make, from the mundane to the monumental, the red light that we stop at or run, the people we choose to be with or won't be with, the airplanes that we ride or walk out of. It's all part of death's sadistic design leading to the grave. So, what do you think of that monologue? I just think it's crazy for a character that we never see again, ever. (laughs) I know. Like, not even when, like, other people start dying. We Mm -hmm. don't see this dude ever again. Well, did you think he was going to be more important? Yeah. I did, too. 
He is in the second one, and he's also his voice is heard in the third one. But after that, he's not like in it at all. At all. Which which really sucks because I thought he's gonna be like death personified. Literally. Yeah. So Alex then asks that if they can figure out the design, does that mean that they can cheat death? The mortician tells Alex that he already did exactly that by walking off the plane. And I remember I was like maybe on Reddit or Tumblr where someone said like every time we escape a near-death experience is because somewhere in an alternate universe we actually died. Have you ever heard that before? Have I heard what? Like, I don't know if I remember if I'm reading this on, like, Reddit or, like, Tumblr or something, but somebody's like, oh, remember when you have, like, a near-death experience and you survive? That's oh, and that's, like, the alternate universe? Yeah. Oh, um... Do you believe that? I think it's more of, like, a past life thing. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. Makes sense to me. Because I'm always like, whoa, I could have died there. Yeah. Especially when I think about, like, when I was... I was driving on the highway, Ooh. and it was, like, storming, it was raining, and there was traffic. Yeah, there was traffic. And I was the last car to stop, and this truck comes barreling down, and I remember thinking, he's going to hit me. He's going to hit me. And as it gets closer and closer, I'm watching it in my rearview mirror, and he, like, swerves out of the way so he doesn't hit me, but I'm like, oh my god. I could have been crushed by how fast he was going, because I he would have I would have been crushed into the next car. Mm-hmm. I think about that stuff like that all the time, bro. So, the mortician explains that from the looks of their newly dead friend, that death has a new design for all of them. Now that they have to figure out how and when death is coming for them. The mortician tells them to play on their hunches if they think they can get away with it and to remember that if they cheat or disrespect the design, then it can cite a fury that could terrorize the Grim Reaper. And he tells them that they don't want to fuck with that Mac Daddy. Mm -hmm. Both creeped out and mostly scared, Alex and Claire turn to leave and tell the mortician that they are sorry for bothering him. But he tells them it's no problem and we'll see them soon. And I was like, honestly, for a guy who was only there for like two seconds, best character. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Next, we see Alex and Claire try to figure out what to do next, and Alex thinks that they should be thinking about omens. And they're at this cafe, by the way. So Alex asks Claire, how do we know that we haven't already started the motion of the design of their deaths? And we clearly see that this makes Claire uncomfortable to think about. Alex continues that it could happen 10 years or 10 seconds from now, and that they will never know unless they look for signs that it's willing to show them. Alex passes the paper that has Todd's name on it to Claire, and she asks him if he saw Todd die just like he saw the plane crash. Alex tells her it wasn't like a vision like how it was on the plane, but it might as well have been. But he thinks that this paper is like a message or someone hinting at the design. Claire calls bullshit and that they found that they could find death anywhere and that they look uh, if they really try as she starts to explain. Alex gets distracted by a passing bus he sees through the window. Claire tells him that she wants to hear him out, but they will go nuts with all this paranoia if they start to logically thinking this through. Yar. Alex thinks about what the mortician said about death's design, and that he theorizes that someone, somehow everyone who survived that crash messed up that design, and that somehow Alex was able to cheat it. That what if it was their time to go, and they were not supposed to get off that plane? Alex asks her what if it's still their time, and that they will die a lot sooner than they think, unless they find a pattern and cheat death again. So what do you think of this unsolid plan of action, Christian? I think it's a very unsolid plan of action, personally. <laughs> I think it's very unsolid. If somebody would have explained this to me, I would have been like... Yeah, I would need you to run that by me. <laughs> yeah. So we then cut to Carter, who's like riding around in his car with his girlfriend, Terry. And they see Alex and Clear hanging out. And so back to Alex and Clear, she tells him that, he's like, oh, you know, I want to believe you, but the only logical explanation for Todd's death is that he wanted to end his own life. And so back with Carter, who just, like, looks pissed for some reason. He's just like... Uh, 
uh, that you know, Clear and Alex are just casually hanging out. Like, mm-hmm. are you jealous, bro? No, for real. Uh, he just unexpectedly like pulls a Yui and almost hits Sky on a bike. That guy is Billy, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and he pull, pulls right up to Clear and Alex like on the road. Mm-hmm. And so Terry tells Carter to like get back in the car, but he just uh, goes and confronts Alex as he sees that Miss L- Luton just also so happens to be around the corner. Mm-hmm. And so Carter jokes it looks like they have a reunion going on. And the guy on the bike, who was Billy, is like, Carter, you dick! You almost <laughs> killed me! Or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so Terry gets out of the car and like tells Carter to get back in the car as he asks uh, Miss Luton when she's moving, and she tells him in a couple weeks and tells her it's too bad, you know, I'm losing my favorite teacher. And so Alex then thinks that this is the perfect opportunity to tell the group about Dust's design, and Claire tells him not to because he's like, oh, you know, they won't believe you. Mm-hmm. And so Carter starts blaming Alex for Miss Luton wanting to leave, and the two start to argue, and Terry cuts in and tells him, that, like, oh, that's enough. You need to get over this, because everyone died and we got to live. And Terry tells him that he's like, you know, I refuse to let this plane crash define my life, and all you should do the same. And she tells Carter that she's moving on, and uh, and she's like, if you want to waste your life being the shit out of Carter or out of uh, Alex every time you see him, just because you feel guilty, then go ahead. And all this whole time she's like saying this and backing away from him, mm-hmm. whatever. And uh, and she's like, and Carter, you can drop fucking dead as a bus hits her because she backed up into the mm-hmm. street or whatever. And my thing is, you don't hear the bus ever. Mm-hmm. It just kind of appears. I'm like, you think she would have heard it, yeah. at the very least. And so, uh, everyone is just, like, shocked at what just happened. They all kind of just, like, look at each other. And uh, I think Miss Luton just, like, starts screaming. Yeah. You know? Because she's, like, covered in blood. Mm-hmm. And I think they all are, kind yeah. of. And so, uh, and, everyone, and everyone's just, like, looking at each other. Like, did that really just happen? Mm-hmm. And we cut to Alex at home, and he takes a, uh, he drinks some seltzer water, mm-hmm. and, and then the house phone rings. They see that it's clear calling who's like also having seltzer water, you know, because they're connected. So I heard that the reason why they did that is because they wanted to like, oh, all this death, let's like try to calm our audience down. Let's show our character drinking seltzer. And I guess they thought that, that wasn't enough, so they're like, let's show two characters drinking, drinking seltzer. <laughs> what if it was purple? <laughs> So Alex's dad tries to hand the phone to Alex, but he clearly doesn't want to talk to her, so his dad makes an excuse for him why he can't come to the phone. Alex's dad tries to talk to him about what's going on, why he can't talk to Claire or him or his mom, and Alex tells his dad that he appreciates how patient they have been with him, but he needs to figure out some stuff before he can talk to anyone again. On the news, it tells us that the investigators over Flight 180 have come up with a possible theory of what caused the explosion, and this makes Alex perk up and listen intently. Cause can, can the news report on just a theory? No. Oh, okay. So it has to be fact? I mean, yeah, they, they have to get confirmation. Oh, okay. They believe that it was in, an insul- insulation problem and that the electrical connector to the scavenger pump may have leaked combustible fluids. A spark beneath the coach cabin and the fuelage may have ignited the fuel. Fuselage. Whatever, ma'am. I know, it's a big word. It is a big word. So as the reporter is telling us that they gave us a layout of the interior of the plane, and Alex points out the first spark uh, is in accord with, like, Totsy and the explosive that followed the fuel pump, which set off the initial explosion, and the TV shows the direct line of fire, which shows all of our survivor seats. We cut to Alex outlining the seats that the TV showed as he starts piecing together the path that the explosion is following them, and that they are dying in the order they would have died on the plane. Alex thinks he's figured out Dust's design, and he's and if he's right, then Miss Luton is next. 
We then cut to Miss Linton's house as she talks on the phone and tries to pack up the rest of her house to prepare for her big move out of town. She expresses to whoever she's talking to that she feels severely guilty sending her co-worker back on the plane, as well as seeing Terry die right in front of her, and ultimately blames herself for all of it. She tells the other person on the line that all she can think about is that day, and is hoping a change will help, but she also doesn't want to live because she grew up here, or leave because she grew up here, and has really happy memories, but she thinks those are all gone now because everywhere she turns, she thinks of the people who died on her watch. She tells the person that even looking at her front yard scares her, and as she does exactly that, she sees that Alex is coming up her street. She hangs up the phone to call the FBI, and does she really think that Alex could have caused all this? Like, they were all there when Terry got died, so okay. like... <laughs> so Alex being a creeper decides the best course of action is to go up to Miss Luton's car and mess with it. Another car pulls up fast and furious style and it's the FBI agents as they ask what Alex is doing. He tells them honestly that he's checking the air in the tires to make sure that they were safe to drive. The FBI agent tell, tells Alex to get in the car and li- and he listens as Miss Luton watches thinking she is safe only for death to arrive through the window. Miss Lutonen notices the change in the air, but when she goes to look, she thinks she's just being paranoid. We then cut to Alex being questioned as he explains that he thinks his teacher is next to die. And that's when I figured out that it was Luton and not Lewis. I was like, oh. You're so funny. So Alex tries to explain to the agents that there's a pattern occurring, and the agents being like, wah, 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 yeah, like there's a pattern. And thinking that somehow Alex is involved with the death of Todd and somehow the explosion, like they literally have nothing on him. Like, they can't keep him. And I hate this subplot so much. It's like, you can't keep me here. You ain't got nothing. I want my lawyer. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally, bro. And it pisses me off. I fucking hate this subplot so much. So anyway, we cut back to Miss Luton, who tries to find something to distract her and find one of her mom's old records and goes to play it. Just going back, I also hate that subplot, too. Just because, like, he's already got death to worry about. Yeah. Now he's got to worry about the FBI. Because I'm just like, it doesn't go anywhere. And it's so annoying that they're like... Ooh, we gotta pin all these death on Also, Alex. he was nowhere near where the explosion happened. Dude, I know. So. I know. So anyway, Miss Luton plays one of her mom's old records, and it's John Denver as Rocky Take Mountain. me home. Rocky Mountain High starts yeah. to play. Back with Alex with the agents, and they ask him about the pattern and whether they can see it in a vision, like with the plane. Alex tells him that they can make fun of him all they want, but at the end of the day, he saved six lives that day, and now the whole school thinks he's a freak because of it. He tells him that he is not suffering from PTSD or a god complex, and that he's not killing the people he saved. He then explains that everyone has a pattern, and that they all have a specific design, and he just doesn't know how yet. He knows he's going to break this one. Back with Miss Luton, who starts making herself some tea, as the camera forces us to pay attention to the knives she has. As Miss Luton wipes off the excess water on her kettle, which is, like, the most ugliest kettle I've ever seen in my life. Yar. She sees a dark figure behind her, and this spooks her, but when she looks behind her, nothing is there. So she starts to boil her water, she puts her towel on top of the knife rack, but she sees her gas stove has stopped working, so she relights it by using a match. Again, another, like, teasing the audience, like, oh, is she gonna blow her house up? Not for real. Back with Alex, that agents confess that Alex was under suspicion of the explosion. I don't know how. And they tell him that they now know that he didn't blow up the plane, and that they were ready to drop him, but then all of a sudden the other survivors are starting to die. What? They act like it's more than two people, you know, and one of them, there was, like, witnesses to Terry's death. Mm-hmm. And I hate this plot point so much, bro. I hate it so much, because they have nothing! Literally. The agent thinks it's just sus, that he just so happens to be there whenever the survivors die, and that they're a little bit more concerned when he showed up at his teacher's house. 
The agents tell him that no one has control over life or death unless someone is causing that death. They ask Alex to promise that no one else will die, and Alex is like, I can't promise that because I'm here with you guys, and it truly is out of his control. The agents then tell him... It's above me now. No, literally. The agents then tell him that he is free to go, and after he leaves, the agents do think it's Alex causing this, but they literally have nothing to hold against him to prove it. One of the agents tells his partner that it's not just that, but he kind of believes the kid. His partner's like, okay, cool, but sometimes you give me the creeps. And I said, they're so X-Files, couldn't Back with Luton as she finishes making her tea. And when she sees the cup is affiliated with the high school, she dumps the hot water on the floor. Like, she just she doesn't throw the cup. She just throws the water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Luton tries to calm herself down and tells herself that's just a stupid mug. And that pretty soon she'll be gone. And she, can, mug. and she can forget about everything and finally move on peacefully. We then see Luton pour herself some vodka over ice. And since the mug had hot contents in it, and is suddenly being shocked by cold, the mug slightly cracks, causing it to leak, unbeknownst to Luton. And honestly, I like that. I think a lot of people thought it was stupid, but I'm like, no, that's like how that works, you know? So we see Miss Luton go to her living room to continue to pack while unknowingly spilling her drink everywhere, including getting a few drops spilled on top of her desktop computer. We see the fluid start uh, contacting the electrical stuff, and her computer starts to smoke, which she does notice. Luton takes a closer look at her computer and it explodes and the shards of the screen cut her throat. Luton, shocked and bleeding, covers the wound with her hand and tries to find something to stop the bleeding while slipping in her own blood. What? We then cut to Alex who's walking and sees a man who's burning his trash as death starts showing signs of embers flying all around him. This scares him and he immediately gets away from it. Back with Miss Luton, who is still struggling to find something to help her as her computer burst into flame. And since it sparked up, she spilled the vodka on the floor. It also sparks up, causing a fire trail that is right behind her. The fire then makes its way right into the kitchen, and because of the trail, makes to her gas stove, which explodes, as well as the rest of the bottle of vodka she left on the counter. Luton, on her last leg, gets flung back and lands on the floor, and seeing her kitchen towel that she left from earlier, thinks this will help her stop the bleeding, goes to grab it. But because the towel is on top of the knife rack, holder it ends up falling on top of her and the biggest knife ends up right going through her stomach talk about bad luck on her part i know did you notice her door though the glass on her door she has a glass door that has like a picture of it do you remember what that picture was what was it i don't know it was a knife oh my gosh i thought that shit was awesome i was like ah! <laughs> ate it up we then see Alex right back at Miss Luton's house, and once he hears that she's in distress, he goes in to save her. Alex, seeing all the blood, follows it to the kitchen and finds Miss Luton holding on. Alex tells her that he is going to help her and to just stay still as he tries to find something to stop her from the bleeding out. When he pulls the knife out of her, but instead what happens, the stove explodes, and he tries to keep things on the counter from getting to her, but the explosion causes a chair to get knocked over right onto the knife, which causes it to go deeper, killing Miss I know, Luton. I was like, oh my god. Like an idiot and also in a panic, Alex grabs the knife and takes it out of her thinking this will help her, but she's already gone and his fingerprints are now on the knife. In a serious panic, Alex runs out of there, dropping the knife and leaving a bloody shoe print. Billy, who just so happens to be biking past the place, sees Alex run in a hurry as Miss Luton's house explodes. Billy, confused as Alex just continues to run off.
Really? Look at that photo. Look at you. Like you haven't changed at all. I think I've changed so much. Dude, so I found um, this. Um, you might have seen me reading it like mm -hmm. the past few days, but um, it's this comic the, book. Yeah, yeah. The, the Batman yeah. one or whatever. I saw you reading it last night. Yeah, I um, I found. I'm just going through it, dude. Mm -hmm. I'm on like the 80th one. Oh wow! I mean, they're not long. Mm. Like they're like ten panels, maybe. Mm. But like, I'm on. I I finished one earlier, and it was like, oh. Uh, I love my wife. Like that, like Diana, Wonder Woman, whatever, comes over mm -hmm. to the manor for, because they she's over there for something or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like while while her and Bruce are talking, like, uh, the cat they have, who's also who's also named Alfred. It, they named him after Alfred. He's still alive. <laughs> Which I thought was funny. I'm like, okay. He, like, jumps on her lap or whatever. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, who's this? And and Bruce is just like, oh, oh, that's Alfred the cat or whatever. And then they hear, like, a wolf in the background. And she's like, you have dogs, too? Or whatever. And they go. He's like, no, that's just Alfred. <laughs> He's a freaky dude. And, no, uh, and yeah, he goes and he shows them uh, Ace and Titus or whatever. The, those two, like, dogs that they have. Ace and Titus. Ace and Titus. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, whatever. And they were like, oh, is this all animals you have? Or because, like, Bruce is like, oh, you know, that's most of Damien's, like, menagerie or whatever. And they were like, oh, so you have more? Uh, and Bruce is just like, I mean, there's the bat cow. The what? Because it was brought up in an earlier thing or whatever. The bat cow? Yeah, because there's a barn on, on the manor man, land. Okay, so is it an actual cow? Yeah. Why do they call it a bat cow? Because I think it's more just... Because here, look. I pulled it up. Here. Um, let's go somewhere. Can <laughs> you read it? Like, just, just read. <laughs> Sorry. You know what you sounded like? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was just trying to make sure this is where it was. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's the exact look I gave you, bro. Like, I need to see this. Perfection. Sublime perfection. Oh, so it is a cow. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a cow. They just call it bat cow? Yeah. That's really funny. Why is Damien brown? Because his mom's brown, I guess. Who's his mom? Um, Talia Al Ghul. She was playing with that white lady in um, The Dark Knight Rises. I thought Selena was his main bitch. She is, but that's like an old thing. In in the comics, I thought Damien was their kid. No, Damien's not. Uh, Catwoman's kid. Him, Bruce and Catwoman don't have kids. I don't think. I can't swear they got married. Had they maybe. do? They do. They and well, uh, is Dick their kid then? No. Okay. Dick Grayson was the first Robin. His parents were the Acrobats. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And then it was um, Jason Todd. Who is that their kid? No. Oh. Uh, Jason Todd was went through a whole thing. He, What's up with Batman just bringing in these young boys? These orphans? <laughs> Why does Bruce Wayne, the orphan, have such a affinity for orphans? I feel like if I was the Joker, I'd blow up orphanages. And then it was Tim Dra specifically boy orphans. And then it was Tim Drake, and then Damian Wayne is his and Talia's um, son. Son. Okay. Yeah. But Talia, Talia is technically a villain. Yeah. Or whatever. And so. Because her name is Al Ghul. Yeah, but, ba but basically she's like I think in most versions of the comic she's like 
Yeah, I'm a bad. Look, I'm a villain, but I'm not a monster. And she like, you know, and she because because her son is being raised to be mm-hmm. like her, mm-hmm. and she's like, I don't like that. So she like sent him off to be with Bruce. Hope, to hope, oh, hopefully he isn't like rain, oh. rain. Yeah. She's like, I don't want to deal with this kid. <laughs> no, in in even in this version, she's like visited. Yeah. She's like, hey, how's school? How you doing? That's cool. No, but I think I never thought that Batman was like dealing with like mobsters or whatever. I thought it was just like, oh, I'm the Joker, ah, bombs and shit. <laughs> well, so I was thinking about it earlier. Like I like like comic. I, I like superheroes that are just dealing with like real life shit the generic like shit like I hate how like in like in like DC for instance they always try to like tie in like the Joker or like the, some alien like threat that's going to like end the world and I'm like like fucking what's his name Darkseid or yeah. whatever and I'm like okay <laughs> okay <laughs> okay same with Thanos or oh, yeah. like Marvel like I prefer if Marvel was just like an Earth thing yeah Cause it's funny, cause us as regular people would just be like, "We still." You got- did what to my car? <laughs> I gotta go to work today while they're just fighting like aliens up in space, bro. Us watching this thing happening in New York while we're in Oklahoma, like, huh? We just see Hulk launch a sedan. We're like, huh? I wonder where that's gonna land right into our roof. Like, and uh, like five minutes later, it just crashes into our living room. <laughs> I think that's what I liked about the the. Uh, Hawkeye thing where the girl, where the daughter lost her dad during that whole like shenanigans. I was like, that's real. I forgot about that whole thing, dude. That's but it's so real. I'm just like, I need to know the extent of the Avengers damage. For me, it's more like, why didn't the moment you saw that shit going on immediately like leave your penthouse? Yeah. <laughs> Like, why didn't you immediately like go for lower ground or like God forbid the subway? <laughs> Just goes to show, rich people will avoid the subway at all costs in New York. Bro, have you ever been to a subway? Uh, yeah, I like their sandwiches. Yeah, I've I've used, uh, uh, yeah, I've used public transit before. I thought, what I thought was really funny is that the more we went to the, uh, I guess upper, I guess, the more you went into towards the city... Like, the more inner city you went into, the more people would get on the train. Like, and I was like, whoa, this is, this is exciting. But the most exciting thing was that my aunt was like, give me your purses. And I was like, okay. And then some guy tried to rob her, and she started fucking yelling at him. She's like, ah, ah. <laughs> That's my purse. I don't know you. <laughs> She's like, see what you got to do down here. And I was like, what? <laughs> Could you have barked at a guy? I just thought it was, it came, for me, it came out of nowhere, because I wasn't paying attention. But I just thought it was so nice that she was, like, on alert, like, being like, give me your stuff, so I'll hold it. Because she knows how to deal with, like, shit like that. I was really surprised we didn't get any, like, car performer or anything. Mm -hmm. I was really looking forward to seeing that, but no, none of that happened. Yeah, I've used, um, Boston. They have what's called, like, the T or whatever, and that's a nice system. It's weird. It's not, like... It's weird. It's not, like trains mm-hmm. like they're sh- it's like street cars mm-hmm. and like there are underground bus tunnels when parker becomes sentient we should like take her to boston i'd like she'd really enjoy that pa- i'd be like parker and she'd be like parker <laughs> parker parker everyone call her parker parker <laughs> parker it's time to get back to the Wait, uh, parker you want some dunkin